0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mobile Home Expert Podcast. I'm Jason Sorotin here with mobile home park expert Glenn Esterson. Glenn, how the hell are you?
1: I'm doing excellent, my friend. I hope you are,
0: too. I'm doing great. So we're going to be talking today. um, We're going back to one of the chapters in your book. It's Chapter 5, and it's called the MHP Economy. And what we're going to look into today is, and this is really great for me, especially because... Glenn just informed me before we started the show that there's a really good deal um, right in the town where I live in. Um, So we're going to be talking about, is now a good time to invest or should I wait for the real estate correction? So... Let's use this example that we just talked about. So I live in Barrington um, and there is a mobile home park near here that uh, might be up for sale. And um, let's say I I might be interested. Would now be a good time for me to look into this as a because it is a seller's market, right? Or should I wait for a buyer's market? What do I do? Sure. No, it's all
1: all good questions. So, you know, you're all the way up there in New Hampshire and New Hampshire is you know it it it, it, it has some advantages because you guys don't have income tax but then you got higher property taxes, but you also have kind of a a more stabilized market up there overall, and you tend to have higher quality parks overall uh, than say you know South Carolina does. Okay, um, so what what you're seeing now in the markets is we got a lot of writing on the wall that recession's around the corner. And for some investors, especially thinking about buying their first park, it might make them put the brakes on on their investment strategy for a minute. So I'm going to preface everything I say with this. In all markets, good times and bad times, there's people getting rich. And the challenge is finding the deals that work at the time that you're ready to invest and uh, having a plan to mitigate the downside if all hell breaks loose um in a park like the one we were discussing uh in barrington new hampshire that particular park is a super pretty park and it has strong occupancy and very little deferred maintenance and no park owned homes my gut says this park is going to do excellent during a downturn you know you said it yourself you're the little town has 172 new houses being built, which doesn't sound like much if you're in Atlanta, but if you're in Barrington with 3,000 people, that's actually a significant number. Um, and being that this is you know pretty close to Boston, very close to Dover and a few other areas, I don't think the economics are gonna uh, are gonna hurt you in a recession in a market like this with mobile homes. That said, you know if you were buying a steep value add with a lot of park-owned homes and deferred maintenance. I would probably advise against it. But if you're thinking long-term hold and you can grow this income from about a 6% return today to maybe a 10% return over the next few years, that's a real good number for a high-quality asset like this particular deal. So the economy. We are, in what I'm saying, kind of the final round here of, of expansion. Uh, we very well might be already in a recession if you listen to people from Europe telling us where we're at. And if you look at the writing on the wall, we have a lot of a lot of activity right now that, that makes us think that, hey, we could be in a recession or headed towards one. Um, you know, last night I read a report from Politico magazine, which did a very large survey on, uh, uh, on the economy and where we are. And 75 percent Of the people they evaluated say that we're going to be in a recession in 20 in the early part of 2021 i think we're maybe that might be accurate nobody's got a crystal ball uh but the reports that i'm reading are sounding like really it's going to start hurting come around summertime of this upcoming year 2020 so if you're a seller that's going to make you think geez If I'm going to sell the next couple of years, I better start selling now and get ahead of this. Um, Or if you're a buyer, you might be thinking, well, geez, that's not too far to wait. What if I just wait and see if I can get a better deal? What's going to happen is deals like this deal that that we discussed in Barrington are probably not going to suffer. And therefore, the only thing that's going to be harder about this deal might be financing during a recession. And chances are this deal is going to get swallowed up by a big guy and not come back out to the market, and this thing's gonna cash flow fine. Um, But if you switch over to different markets and different types of uh, value add, when you look at where the T-bill is, which by the way was at 1.51 just the other day, the lowest we've seen ever, and uh, short-term debt and long-term debt no longer make sense compared to each other. Short-term debt is actually being cheaper now than long-term debt, we're having a flight to safety from around the world as negative interest rates become a common thing in other countries. So people are coming to the United States, keeping us kind of propped up for a minute, which is nice. Um, but then we also have to worry about the the, the, uh, uh, the debt curve conversion that's happened, which historically has been a six-month marker to the, the start of the next recession. And you have to look at the election cycle that's coming into play. Whether you're on the left or the right or right down the center, any of this events that are happening especially comprehensively looked at is going to have an effect on you if if trump wins maybe that's a good thing maybe it's a bad thing if he loses it's probably going to be a little hard on the economy because people are pretty robust with republicans and business and all that kind of jazz for better or worse so these are all issues that you have to be cognizant of right now Um, if you're buying a value add a steep value add I would maybe, especially in a secondary or tertiary market, I would maybe say, hold out. Maybe it's not the right strategy, especially if you're a new guy. You might have some some, some hard times like I had to go through uh, during the last recession. Or, you know, if it's a park like this one in New Hampshire, I would probably give it the full steam ahead, man. You better get it now before it's gone and doesn't come back. Because that's the kind of deal that people really want. And I, if I'm a buyer, I don't mind paying top-of-the-market prices for a high quality asset. If I know over the next, you know, 10, you know, seven, 10, 15 years, I'm going to grow the equity return on there at, at, to a double digit level. So,
0: and these investments, to, you, when you look at these investments, Glenn, these are not something that we should look at as a quick turn. This is a marathon, right?
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of them are, I mean, look, we, there's plenty of guys that, that I've bought that, that I've, Sold them a park, and we fixed it up, and then we sold it again a year later and it doubled our money on the park. Plenty of times I do that, and that's fine. I just am now putting the brakes on on doing that with a lot of my clients, just because of where we are in the cycle. And I'm starting to set expectations that hey, a, a quick turnaround time might not be doable um, in, in the time frame that I think is available, especially considering the work that's that's necessary on the park that you just bought. Uh, so I would probably be setting expectations more for like a, you know, a three to five year period before you can exit on a kind of a, a, a flip and fix. Um,
0: gotcha. Another, another thing I wanted to ask is does the size of the park matter? Like right now, let's use the one in Barrington. How big is it? And does the size matter in a down or up economy? Like, is it safer to have a smaller park or is it safer to have a larger park or it doesn't matter?
1: So I'm going to say it depends. Historically, people want larger parks because you have scale and you have better, you know, better efficiencies to run. Uh, And if you have a nice park like this one, which is about 80 spaces, um, it's that's a good size. To me, that's to me, that's not a big park. That's not a small park. That's a straight up, you know, middle sized park. Uh, And for three and a half million bucks, I think you, you would find, you know, worse ways to spend your money that but if this park was 80 spaces and only half full i would be very i would question the strategy because who knows if you're going to be able to infill that park during a downturn and you're going to be care and right now you're paying for the premium of value add in in vacant space right now uh so i would be cautious now um a small park I think are great. I, I, I don't know what the problem is for a lot of people, but they don't like small parks. Personally, I think small parks are a great way to make extra money, especially for the new guys coming into the field. Call it a park under 25 units. You know, I just put a park in, 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 uh, in, in Charlotte under contract, uh, an ugly little duckling of a park, um, but it's got all the right bones and all the right features, that I think it's a great deal. And guess what? We, we listed it at, at a very aggressive cap rate. Um, but we got it under contract in less than two or three days of marketing at list price for cash, uh, because the location and, and the bones of the park makes sense that the next guy knows he's going to get some good rent growth, good times or bad times. It might take a few more years if the recession comes, but at the same time, he's going to be able to, to achieve probably, you know, 25% uh, rent increases over the next you know, couple of years. So, and that's a small little guy, only like 12 or 13 spaces. But I think for a first timer, that's the perfect type of park to buy. Um, because you're gonna learn the ropes and you can go bigger from there. And selling these small parks is, is pretty easy, especially in a good market when there's lots of buyers. Um, but if you don't sell it, it's good income to keep because you've you've got it turnkey by that point. Buying a, a value add smaller park with some hair on the you know on it with the systems, uh, you know, the infrastructure systems and things like that, um, would be a bigger challenge than maybe you would want to digest on your first deal. And definitely when you're considering it, you're buying at the top of a market before a recession. And I know so, so, that's not the clearest answer, yeah, but I that kind of gives you some, some idea.
0: There's parameters around it. So I'm, I'm wondering is now definitely like, let's say I was looking to do something <clears throat> that I would consider, and maybe you can correct me a bigger move. What about building my own park? is like, is this the worst time to build your own park?
1: You know, like, like I, I started it off with winners and losers in every market, good or bad. Uh, and I'm actually doing a few development deals right now. And uh, the guy that's buying them is very, very, very uh, cognizant of where we are in the economy. And he's still able to address high prices. Now, just to clarify, building a new park is damn near impossible okay Uh, most places will not give you the zoning to do it if you remember from a few episodes ago that's one of the inherent values of mobile home parks zoning and they're not giving it anymore so what people are doing when they're developing now is they're buying these these super ugly ducklings that have been terrible performers and mismanaged and are essentially scraping them to the to the dirt and starting over so that they're going to re-energize the whole park but, man, is that a daunting task. So, I mean, it could easily be a five- to seven-year project before you're full, and it could be a lot of uh, challenges if you, miss, if you miss the mark on what the the local economy is like and what the local demographics are like. It could be a real daunting task and not one that I would ever suggest to anybody who's in this business for less than a couple of years that doesn't have a development background to even consider. Uh, while it might pencil out on paper and look great, um, I could also show you, you know, some some, you know, beachfront property in uh, you know central Iowa uh, that might look great too on paper, but it might not really <laughs> exist in real life, you know. Right. So, uh, you know, it's uh, not not something I really recommend new guys doing. And really, the guys that are doing it are, are pretty accomplished. And uh, you know, if you're interested in that aspect of mobile home park development, that's something I think that is better covered you know, as a separate, uh, as a separate topic, uh, to, to, you know, those that are interested because most people are going to say, I'm not doing that. (laughs) That's way too much risk. So, um, and, and rightly so.
0: So if you were, if you've been in the game and you've owned a park for like six years now and you're, you've been contemplating an exit, um, is this a situation where now is the best time to sell? Because if you don't want to hold on through it through to weather whatever economic downturn is in front of us, it seems like what you're saying is like sell now unless you're ready to ride it out.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've been, been telling people lately. It's like, hey, look, we have more buyers, more sellers than ever entering the sales cycle right now. Okay. And so, what that's going to ultimately do as we flood the market with new properties is going to revert this back into a buyer's market, uh, or at least stabilize the seller's market that we've been in. And when you, you, you balance it up against a, a potential recession and that can, that can spell trouble. And if you're a retiree, that's like, Hey, I'm, you know, in my sixties, I'm ready to be done with this day to day stuff. And I just want something easier. So I'm going to think about selling my park and you're thinking, well, I'll probably sell in the next year or two or three, I would challenge you to suggest thinking about selling it now to get ahead of the curve, to get ahead of the other sellers and to still maximize the pricing. We haven't seen pricing go up in the last six months. It's really been pretty flat. So, you know, that when, you know, that simple fact would make me say, Hey, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm going to get ahead of the curve and and, and start planning an exit now because I really want to retire in the next few years. And, if, if the recession happens, it might delay it by, you know, three to five years, maybe longer just to get back to the same value. Because, um, you know, it's uh, you can't sell your park during a recession because there isn't financing or you're having some challenges with occupancy and you haven't been able to raise rents. Your value is not going up. It's straight up going down, you know. So that's something to really, really consider. Um, you know, a guy like near you who's not thinking of retirement anytime soon, Eh, I'm not too worried about it. But you know what? We're also capitalists that are looking to make a buck, you know, usually pretty quickly. And, you know, that would be something I would, you know, I would want to ponder as well. Geez, maybe I maybe I take less now than I thought I was going to get just to save off the pain uh, going through a recession. And if I'm capitalized well because I sold my park early in time, maybe there's a few good deals I could pick up during the recession. Um so
0: because you're so you know, that, that, we, that's kind of
1: how I would be looking at
0: it. Because you're so in the mix with everything, Glenn, what are, what are your thoughts on deal flow right now? Are you seeing an increased deal flow, regular or decreased? Because I, I feel like that might be a good indicator, too. Increased.
1: I'm getting more deals now than I've ever had in my life. And um, we're, we're probably, I mean, my, my, my list is probably 50 units or, or 50 deals right now. And we're, we're just scratching the surface of what's available. If I had, you know, more, more arms and, and, and more mouths to, to speak on the phone with, I, I bet you we'd be doubling that list pretty soon. And, and what that is, that's great as, uh, you know, somebody who's in the center of it all, but what that means to a buyer is that, you know, Hey, or I mean, what that means to a seller is, Hey, there's a lot of other competition out here now, um, you know, and that's competition. You, it doesn't always breed, you know, better pricing for for sellers. Anyways, when you have other sellers trying to sell, you're going to put some brakes on that. And right now, the low debt that we have is really sustaining the pricing we have. If that debt does start to to tick back up, as it did this time last year, um, that's going to have a negative impact on your pricing. So, as as the you know as, as the recession comes in. It's, you know, maybe they keep suppressed interest rates for an extended period. But, you know, typically when they start getting confident again, they start raising those rates and that's going to end up hurting your value. So. So do you think again,
0: that what, what is your opinion on that move by the Fed to reduce rates? Does that does that help yeah, the industry or does it matter? It helps all industries superficially.
1: Right. Because every time they lower the debt, It means it's cheaper for us to buy a park or buy an investment or buy a car or buy a house or any of that kind of stuff, but it's kind of artificial. And what ends up happening is we, we, we start having this, this very frothy environment where it's like, Oh, we got cheap money. It's always going to be cheap money, but no man, cheap money doesn't last long. And when that, when, when, when it gets kind of, to a tipping point, it turns back into, oh we're going to have problems, kind of like what we did with 2008 and nine, where we had such cheap debt and such loose underwriting and such loose uh, 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 mortgage processes that it, it created a massive correction, as we all remember. Um, and so you have to be cognizant. I, I just trust That the feds, they're pretty smart guys for being guys that, you know, are pretty removed from the day to day of life. And, uh, I, I, you know, I can't say that doing it right or wrong. I mean, they're smarter guys than me. So I'm going to trust that they're doing it right. But I would, I I would tell the investor, Hey, regardless of what those guys are doing, this is where we are in the market today. And it is something to be cognizant of. If you're a a long-term holder, you can skip this whole episode because you're probably going to be just fine either way. Um, but if you're, really a player in the market or if you're a new guy entering the market or if you're a guy looking to really kind of ponder when the best acquisition period would be for you, you know, that's that's what this discussion is going to help, you know, those guys out with more.
0: So Glenn, if I'm coming to the table right now to let's say do this deal in Barrington and let's say it's three point five million what do I have to do as the buyer cash wise to come to the table? Cause I remember in another episode, we talked about like that banks aren't really into lending on mobile home parks. Am I, am I getting that right? Do I need to come with like yeah. a bag of cash? Sort of,
1: you know, it's not like buying a house where you can get in for, you know, 5% down um, on a deal like this one, just because the quality's there and the books and records are there and the market's there. You know, you'd probably get into this one pretty cheaply, but but my term of cheap is twenty percent down, uh, and then you'd probably get some pretty sexy loans somewhere right now in that four and a half to you know in that four percent to four and a half percent interest range, and probably an amortization of you know somewhere between fifteen and twenty five years uh, amortization. Maybe you get a better loan, maybe you don't, but I think that's probably where the debt is. So at three and a half million, if you had to put down you know, 20%. So that works out to $700,000 down to get in this deal. And, you know, day one, yeah, you're not going to have some kind of crazy sexy return on day one numbers, but, you know, probably 6 or 7% on, you know, uh, unlevered and probably, you know, 8 or 9% levered. Uh, but you should be able to run that number up to double digits over a couple of years with some, you know, 5% rent increases done, you know, done done in, in the proper way and things like that. And, uh, um, you know, there's there are nine vacant lots, so you'd be able to bring those online and things like that, too.
0: You-, uh, you know, so
1: that's for a deal to get into for 700000 While that's not, you know, chump change, uh, it's also not having to come up with three and a half million dollars uh, like you would if this was a value add deal. A bank probably wouldn't want to touch it. Um, and that, that might be, uh, uh, you know, harder to get into. But, But you know, to to add on to that, right now, just on that note, to to get a little off topic here, um, I was reading a report the other day that the amount of bridge loans being given right now, short-term interest-only loans, okay, are exceeding the pace of standard loans. Uh, And so, what you're having is all these guys out there on cheap, cheap interest-only money, uh, doing deals that probably would not make sense. At all using conventional money and that's usually a sign in all markets that we are at a peak when that number starts when 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 your interest only money starts becoming more rampant than your conventional money that's also a sign of peaking so. That you know, the, and, things, uh, and interest only meaning
0: meaning sort of like what led us to the housing crisis where you can get into a house a million dollar house and it's like eight hundred dollars a month because you're only paying the interest, paying but the interest on it. but right. you're due uh, you're like a balloon payment at the at the end of that
1: right exactly you you you're not you're not eating up any of the principal in that balance and when that note comes due your principal still the same amount and then you go and refi out of it if you can. And you're kinda of restarting all over again. But interest only does have a big effect in in um in the investment world with real estate because there's a lot of value add deals out there that, you know, a bank's not gonna loan on. So it's a it's a way to help adjust for that. Historically they've been high interest loans that um that that were doing bridge loans. Nowadays, man, they're they're not high interest. <laughs> you know, they're in the five to eight percent range now, which is not a high interest rate historically considering, you know, my mortgages on my house that I live in now and my farm are, are all in the 6%-ish range. Granted, I shouldn't be refinancing, and I would advise anybody listening right now to really go think about refinancing 100% of their properties as I'm in the process of doing right now too. 6 percent's great historically, but in today's markets of 4%, you could probably save some real bucks.
0: Yeah, that would be a, a massive savings for a lot of people. So to kind of wrap this up, I have one more question that, you know, is a little loaded as as I think about this this property near me. If you've got a place with 80-some-odd um, homes on it, you've got, um, you know, your, your, all your payments and everything, how much cash am I churning out of an 80s, you know, home in, in New Hampshire and maybe, sure a uh, plot of that size.
1: All right. So on, on a deal like that, you're putting in, you're putting down 700,000. You're not having to worry about putting in any kind of extra capital for deferred maintenance and things like that. And let's just pretend we didn't negotiate with the seller and we just paid the three, five that he wants. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, the market rents, well, his rents right now, are at 455. Um being extremely conservative pretending we don't grow the rents aggressively and we just do a 5% increase, that's you know roughly 475 is where you'd probably go, you know, at the end of year, you know, at the end of a full year you probably raise rents to 475, right? Yeah. So for that first year alone, if we run it at a what I think is going to be a an appropriate um an appropriate expense ratio of about 45% on this thing. And you might, you might do better than me. You might get 42% and that little percent change does have a dramatic shift in, 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 the numbers, but let's just pretend that we're running this thing at, uh, here we go. Yeah. Let's just pretend we're running this thing at a 44% expense ratio and be, be a little cautious here, uh, cognizant here with, the, with all of that. Um, I'm going to say that the return on this thing, day one, doing nothing different other than just operating it the way I think you're going to operate it on current income, is going to be something like, let's take this out here, is going to be something like a 13.5% total return to you. So a total return, um, like cash on cash and, and all these other metrics, just means all the actual dollars that are are earned on this deal compared to the down payment that you did. So it's, your, it's all the income earned, all the NOI, and then you have, you know, what's called principal reduction that's added to it. So when you pay principal, it actually reduces your cost. So, you know, that's real money. And on a deal like that, you're looking at about 13.5% uh, starting point. But at the end of year one, once you put in that little increase, that number should jump up, you know, maybe to about 15%. And then if you run it out a little bit further, you're probably looking at you know somewhere's around an eighteen, nineteen percent return, call call it by year three or so. So um, but but so that's the it,
0: advantage. But if I'm looking at it from let let's take it to you know neophyte terms. I don't know shit about this. So how much cash am I pulling out every month? You're saying whatever that is, I'm going to get to keep 13% of that.
1: Yeah. So basically, you know, on this deal, you're going to have an NOI of about $220,000. Okay. And, you know, so if you didn't have any debt whatsoever and you're just getting $220,000, okay. Off of your three and a half million dollar investment, you're looking at about a six and a half percent, Return. It's nothing sexy, but it's right. a nice stabilized deal in my world is pretty sexy. But now, if you lever that deal, your 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 um, your debt in that deal is costing you about a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So you're walking away with about forty thousand dollars cash, but you're also putting in the piggy bank another sixty thousand dollars of principal. Okay, right. So you're really walking away with about hundred thousand um, dollars at the at the end of that first year, plus or minus. Uh, you're, that should be about where you are. So a hundred thousand out of seven hundred thousand works out to about that thirteen and a half percent.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So in the end, if I did this for five years, I've got about uh, $300,000 in equity in the park. Plus I've got some cash and now I can go and hopefully get a sale, which is going to pay me back my 300 plus whatever I can get as far as a multiple. Got it. Okay. Correct.
1: And the sale value that I would project on something like this, you keep it for five years and you run up rents 5% a year and you've you've created some efficiency, so your expense ratio is a little bit lower, and you brought those you know a few of those vacant lots online. You know you're probably looking at a deal around four and a half million dollars or so at your exit. Um, you know with no additional capital improvements of any significant amount having to be applied in there. So you're getting you're getting a lot of extra on your total returns there. And when you go and sell, you pick up a three five, you sell it a four or five, that's a million bucks, plus the three hundred thousand that you've you paid into your principal. So you're actually getting a million three and then plus the income that you've earned each year, call it, you know, probably averages out to like a seventy five, you know, thousand dollars, and then your IRR is probably somewhere around, um I would guess you're probably IRR at the end of the day of a five year cycle is going to be around an eighteen percent return. Yeah, you know, and that's 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 healthy numbers, man.
0: That's pretty that's that pretty good. The every that's, single day. Especially you if know? you're looking at, you know, if the park is as nice as you're saying it is and it's it it looks like it's in a good area and it can has good tenants, it sounds like a no-brainer. That sounds right. like a hot you're gonna, deal. Have, you're gonna have an
1: easier time than than another guy who's buying the same deal in you know tuscaloosa alabama or something like that you know it's, you're going to have an easier time not that tuscaloosa is a bad market but it's just a market most people haven't uh, probably heard of um, <laughs> right
0: you, you know? absolutely
1: so, so i want to
0: i want to so, end with one final question and that question is so the mobile home park economy state of the union are we good are we bad or are we just like riding the middle line
1: I think we're good with the caveat that there is some stormy weather on the horizon and it's time to kind of button down the hatches and cut off any of that dead weight that you don't need to have. And if you're if you're a retiree, it's a great time to be exiting right now.
0: Glenn, thank you so much for uh, giving us all this amazing expert information. If you want to reach Glenn, you can go to his website, themhpexpert.com. You can contact him via email at gesterson at themhpexpert.com. And even better, you can call Glenn directly on his mobile telephone at 423 483 0492. For the Mobile Home Expert podcast, I'm Jason Soroten with Glenn Esterson. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.